0: As the world begins to emerge from the cave of the 21st century and opens its eyes onto the suffering from centuries of injustice and the bastardization of what it means to be free, the new Nomos podcast is a call. A call for a new beginning. A call for the new men and the new women that yearn to be truly free. A call for us to fulfill our destiny. A call for a new Nomos on the earth. Welcome to the New Nomos podcast. I'm Abdallah Dattan, inviting you to join me on this journey of discovery to define what the new Nomos is and what we need to get there. Hello and welcome back to the New Nomos podcast. This episode is with Kofi Ofosu, a self-taught freelance character designer and visual storyteller from Ghana. He's been fascinated with comic books and cartoons since childhood, a love affair that eventually inspired his decision to become a working professional in the art industry. But it wasn't as easy as making that one decision. Instead of the usual route through art school, pressured by his parents to complete a business science degree at university, he had to forge his own path, learning his trade via YouTube tutorials and online courses, in between completing a bachelor's degree. Through his sheer drive and a yearning to fulfil his highest potential, Kofi is now an authority in his field. He works on global contracts for the likes of DreamWorks Animation and Netflix. He hosts his own podcast, Fico's Corner, and is actively engaging with his strong following online to inspire a new generation of African artists and creatives. While this episode touches on Kofi's journey, his philosophy in life, and what it takes to be a creative in the 21st century, it's also an exploration into the time we live in and the huge potential contained within the continent of Africa. So... Without further ado, I present to you episode 37, Metamorphosis, Africa's time to shine.
1: Africa is like prime real estate in terms of like opportunities and, you know, doing, bringing new and fresh things, fresh ideas to the system to give it a jolt and even create um, opportunities for the continent and, you know, there's so much room because, like, um, someone once put it this way, that any problem is like an opportunity. It's all about how you look at it. And Africa, as much as it's a very beautiful, diverse continent, we have a lot of problems. So that means <laughs> we have a lot of opportunities to create yeah. businesses, to to just, you know, change the... Uh, the continent, change the lives of the people and, you know, create a new world here. So I'm for me, I'm super excited um, for what the future holds for Africa, for especially in the creative arts or in entertainment art. And yeah, I can't wait to see. I want to be a part of the process of change. And I definitely can't wait to see what Africa turns into in the next like decade.
0: Mm. Well, I just, like, so I mentioned that I was traveling and I was in the UK for two months, right? Mm-hmm. And while I was there, what I saw on the ground was, I mean, across the world, but I really felt it in the UK is that the cost of goods are going up massively. For sure, And everyone's worried about the cost of utilities, mm-hmm. right, with everything that's happening in, in Russia and the impact that's having globally and the cost of gas and all of the utilities that are needed to heat people's homes. Now, as Europe goes into winter, like there's serious uh, struggles that the people are going to be facing over the next few months. And I don't see it getting any better. Mm -hmm. Now, at the same time, I come back to South Africa and I'm just thinking about my experience here. And here we have load shedding, (laughs) We have, you know, so, and we even have an app to tell us when load shedding is. Sure. So we know between 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock that in the city of Cape Town, there will be no electricity. <laughs> and there's an app to tell us. It's, it's fantastic. It's, sure. like, it's so hilarious. Um, but South Africans are resilient. Africans are resilient. We're used to the system not working. We're used to not not having electricity. We're used to not having money. We're used to, uh, you know, crime being a a daily occurrence, but that builds strength of character, resilience, and all of these things. And while Europe's kind of heading towards difficulty where the populace rely on the state, when the state can't provide, the people are going to really struggle because sure. they're not used to it. For sure. So, and this is and this is the case across the world. So, mm-hmm. where are the most resili- where are the most resilient people? And when I look, I'm like, "Yo, it's Africa's time to shine." Exactly. It's like we've got the psychological things, we've got the the actual ground of Africa, which is the last f- farming land of the world, mm-hmm. and yeah man Uh, as you (laughs) said there's there's so much opportunity and it's really exciting
1: for sure because like what you're touching on in terms of like in africa as i was saying like there are so many problems so we learn to be creative in spite of the lack that we face right Mm. because like i i totally um relate to the a power outages, sometimes I'm working, there's a power, at least you guys are w- way better on that front because you have an <laughs> app that tells you, yeah, you don't have any it's app. A <laughs> it's a joke down here. So they just take off the light. So if you are working for a client, you need to deliver stuff. It means now you, are, you have to figure a way out to go to another part of town that has electricity so that you can get the work done. And... Yeah. Even that's just by the wayside. But I feel like as Africans, because we've learned how to manage through lack, it gives us a certain toughness and resilience that you would not necessarily find in some parts of the developed world because it's like certain things are always provided by the state. The systems Mm. really do work. So in comparatively, it makes people's lives more manageable as opposed mm. to here. So when people are struggling, they are really, like, struggling. Like, it's crazy. You go to, like, the outskirts of towns and you see, like, how, how destitute people can be because of the mm. system not really working. But irregardless of that, I feel like because of our... Uh, Ability to withstand, like, pressure and stay creative and stay... And that's one thing. In Ghana, we one thing that we really have that I really appreciate is our humor. That's one way we kind of... It helps to manage the pressures of life and the problems that we Mm. face in our country. Because I always keep telling my friends, like, I feel like some of the things that are happening here, if it were to happen in some developed country... Like the people are not going to take their shit. They are going to riot and there'll be like so much problems that the government is going to face. But it's like, irregardless <laughs> of the problems he faced out here, it's like people make light of it. You, people laugh over it. And it's a way that we, you know, navigate some of the, the problems that we face. And I feel like so much creative talent, intelligent people, like so much so many gifted people down mm-hmm. here right and sometimes because the systems don't work they stifle the creativity the the talent and it even leads sometimes to brain drain whereas like a lot of our talented folks are moving out of the continent and they are excelling mm-hmm. out there you know and for me i find that sad because yeah, yeah if we are to start to think about ways to bring solutions to the problems that we face in our part of the world, we can maintain, you know, the innovators amongst us, the intelligent ones. We can make use of everyone's gifts, everyone's talent, regardless of the field that you are in and build a better, you know, a better world in Africa where like people from other parts of the world would even envy us and they'll be like, yo, I want to be in Africa or I want to live in Mozambique, I want to live in Ghana or South Africa. Same, in the same way that right now, if you ask any average, like African, like, yo, do you want to travel to the States or do you want to travel to Europe? They, Without thinking about it, they are like, yes, I, I want to go there because they see those places as a land of opportunity. But I feel like we have even greater opportunity here. And if we are able to set up systems... And make things better for ourselves as Africans, things are really going to turn around and change.
0: But that's my. You see, this is what I see. I'm like, I go to Europe, and that's I go to the UK, and that's the country that I grew up in. Okay. Right? And and I see it, and I look at it, and I'm like, this thing is finished. The <laughs> people are, but and I'm not saying that as a as a kind of you know there's a there's a deep sadness in for that sure. as well because this. It's my country, where it's where grew I grew up. up. But I, I walk around the streets and I look at the people and I look at the situation and I see what's happening on the ground. And I'm like, ooh, this is not looking very nice over the next 20, 30 years. For sure. Right? Now, where's the opportunity? Where's the the, the Where's the future? And from my understanding, it's going back home. Sure. And when I say going back home, I'm saying like, for the the subcontinentals in the united kingdom is that like, go back to pakistan and afghanistan and these places and 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 what i'm actively calling on lots of the significant um black americans is is go back to africa america's also collapsing you know you look at the dollar's finished the political situation is dire i mean you you get re- i mean what 4 or 5 years ago they had the choice between trump and hillary clinton mm mm-hmm. I mean, and then then it gets to between Trump and Biden. And it's like, Biden is not president because he is great. Biden is president simply because you don't want Trump. And so then you it's just getting worse and worse and worse. You look at the United Kingdom and you've got Boris Johnson, mm-hmm. then this non-entity of a woman, right? And now you've got this new guy in as well. And it's just, its the political system's finished. And up. in Africa, we we know how to handle lack of governance and uh, <laughs> broken political system. <laughs> sure. And this and like so, there's opportunity. No one relies on the government because we know that they're so obviously corrupt. And so, on the ground roots, you can do things, and you can and 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 it's exciting. Exactly. And yeah, no. Africa, man. <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> like there, there's so much that can be done, and definitely what you touched on, like even those in the diaspora who are out there, like, you know, making a call out to them, like, yo, there are creatives here. There are people here who are ready and willing to learn, to learn what they also have to offer to us, right? And Mm -hmm. grow and get better and develop our industries, develop our knowledge base, you know, build something tangible down here because, as you're saying, like, dude, it, we, can't, we can't always look outward. We need to start creating and cultivating our own garden here around us. 100%. Because, like, my father would always say, like, okay, you that want to go to the States or to Europe, they, they sat down and they cultivated their surroundings for it to be comfortable or conducive for them. And that's what you are Mm -hmm. finding attractive. So it makes sense that we as Africans should sit down and see how do we, yes, we are in dire straits, right? We are in a dire situation. We We are facing a lot of issues, poor leadership, you know, mismanagement of resources, corruption. And it's a part of our life. However, we have to become solution oriented. What can we do to start making changes? So we take the issue of leadership. So it means even from the ground, the ground level, education, how we are educating our kids. What kind of information are we giving them? What kind of mindset are we building in them? How are we transforming their thinking so that they are thinking outside of the box, outside of
0: mm. the
1: societal norms that have been created? so that they can become better leaders. They can bring, they can inject new life into the system and not keep repeating mm. the old pattern that hasn't been working all these years. Cause Albert Einstein said that insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting a different result. We've been doing yes. the same thing over and over yes. and over and over again. Now we have to make changes. And it's very easy for us to blame other people, right? Like, oh, the government is bad. Oh, these people are not doing what they need to do. But I'm of the belief that if we are to change, change first starts with the man or woman you see in the mirror. Because there's a quote that goes that if you want to change the world, first change you, then the world, you become the mirror that the world will start to reflect. So yes. for me I'm very big on self-development like we taking responsibility as individuals looking at ourselves where are the parts of our lives that we can do better, where we can improve. Mm-hmm. And as we improve, we are also touching the lives of those around us. Our family and our, our family, our friends, our acquaintances, business partners And from you, you are creating a rippling effect that begins to transfer outward. And those people who are connected to you affect those they are also connected to, and it keeps going on and on. So the change for me, it always starts with us, you and I, Mm. as the individual. What am I doing? What am I, Kofi, doing to start to make the push in the right direction and once we start to conscientize each other in that way and make ourselves realize like yo the responsibility lies on each individual to make Africa great or to make the world a better place the responsibility lies on each and every one of us we all have a load to carry we all have an input we all have something to do a part to play in this whole jigsaw or in this whole puzzle. And yeah, I feel like that realization, that will really help us to start to make incremental progress, which will start a chain reaction, whereby in the next decade, Africa will be different and the world will be much better.
0: Well, the thing is, is that if you, like you said, if you change the way you see the world, the world changes because you're seeing it through your eyes. Right, exactly. And if when you change your frequency, you're changing the frequency of the entire universe. Mm-hmm. So someone on the other side of the world can feel it, and we all know it. We all know it when you, you know. You th- suddenly you think about somebody, and then they phone you, and you're like, "How? You know like, how?" But that's <laughs> that's, and you you can't like even explain it scientifically but we've all had that experience we all know that it's true and therefore it's for sure it is it's a reality and we can change things just by changing the way we experience things exactly and uh i think for africans like you were saying earlier, it's like the political situation is so dire. That what do you do? You laugh about it, and you like, yeah. s- and you smile. Why are you going to let that thing affect your day, affect your life? If you nope. let it affect you, you're finished. <laughs> you're finished. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. But if you just <laughs> exactly. laugh about it, you keep your positivity, you keep your gratitude for what you do have, and you continue on in your on your, in your daily life, and, and
1: things you keep are beautiful. Pressing on. Exactly, because there's once you let that poison in, that negative energy in, it's only going to disrupt your life and actually block you from the good that the universe is ready to give you. Mm. And the thing is, is that like someone, someone said, uh, there's a quote that goes something like this: that it's not that positivity or having a positive attitude. Does everything, or is the whole answer? Mm. But it's a much better approach to life than negativity. Because yeah, if you are if you're negative all the time, it's going to block so many blessings, opportunities from you. You're not going to see the beauty in life. And already around us, through the news, we are already being programmed about how bad the world is. Like, there are a hundred reasons why like you shouldn't keep going on. You should give up. So you have to have a positive outlook in life or else you'll be swamped out by the negative Mm -hmm. stuff that you'll be hearing on the radio, on the news. And yeah, for me, it's a conscious decision that we all have to make and become solution oriented because it's not enough to identify the problem. That's half of the equation. Now we have to start being solution oriented and start putting the solutions into practice and not just theorize that, oh, if we could do this and that, we could change our situation. But rather, what are we actually doing? Are we going to the schools to engage with the kids there to help them see the newer possibilities, to help build them into better leaders? Are we helping in community initiatives? around us to make, maybe clean up our community, make it a safer environment. All of these things, we need to start to look at the solutions because the problems we know of all of them. Now we have to focus and start building. (laughs) Yeah, I like
0: that. I like that. That's awesome. How did you get into animation?
1: If we are going to talk about how I got into animation, We'll have to go a bit back. Um, as a kid, I've always been inspired by animations I watch, comics I read. And I didn't know at the time that it's actually a job that people do and they get paid for. Uh, so I just saw it as a magical thing. Like, yo, this thing is so magical. I don't, how is it made? I don't know. So over time, as I grew up and I got introduced to the internet, I started to understand like, oh, this is actually a job and art is way bigger than what we are taught in high school like about like traditional art like pottery uh, paintings you know basket weaving those kind of things there's more to it where now I'm learning about entertainment art there are people who storyboard there are animators character designers blah 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 and by understanding that I started to really hone in on what it is that i want to do so i realized like character design appealed to me the most out of all of the different things that i had seen and once i understood that okay i can actually go to school for this and there are colleges out there that offer the education to for that field right i actually told my parents before i was about to graduate for college i told them like hey you know what, I want to do this art thing and (laughs) and I I want to go to the States Art Center College of Design and I want to pursue art. And mind you, in Ghana, when when we talk about art, it's societally not... It's frowned upon. It's not seen as a viable source of income. So they were like, nah, we pay your school fees. You're going to business school here. And I was like, cool. So... That knocked me down a few points, cause I was like, yo, I've not, I didn't get the opportunity I was looking for. However, I was like, you know what? For the next four years, I'm going to be in business school, right? I'm. How do I use this next four years outside of my uh, uh, lecture hours, right? How do I use the next four years to study and become and build the skills so that before I'm done with um, university? I can already be working in the art industry right so i'd already been using social media i was um already familiar with youtube i had been watching a lot of tutorials there so now i started to create a self-steady plan right because i don't have any teachers around me i there are no like solid animation schools here in ghana mm. so i used i looked at internet as my teacher like I'm going to seek out as much information as I can and build my own knowledge base. So that's how that factored into how I use social media. So what I would do is if I found an artist who I really loved, Mm. I would follow them. And then I am keeping an eye on them. Like, what are they sharing? What are they talking about? They are talking about, Oh, I read this book and it's like a phenomenal book on anatomy. I've noted it down. Mm -hmm. I took this course. It's really good. Or, A friend of mine is giving out this course online. It's really good. You should check it out if you want to get better at 2D animation. I'm noting it down. Sometimes if I was facing issues, I would like reach out to these creative professionals. Like, hey, I want to be a character designer. I'm having some challenges. I'd like to know like what it is that your work entails. Then they give you a breakdown. Mm -hmm. I do this, I do that, I do this, I do that. Or like even portfolio-wise, What do I have to have in my portfolio? So I was doing information gathering. I was studying by myself. I knew that on Monday, maybe I'm studying anatomy. You know, Tuesday, I'm doing a bit of um, 2D animation. Thursday, you know, I had written everything down on my calendar and I was following the system. And I'll tell you, at the beginning, I wasn't the most uh, disciplined, consistent student. Mm, mm. (laughs) But over time, as I really solidified my resolve and I really got more and more passionate and I learned more about the craft. It really instilled a sense of discipline within me because I was like, I really want to do this for my work because I am of the belief, like the best place you can ever be as a human in the work world is to do something you love and to get paid for doing that thing. Mm. Because whether you like it or not, Whatever work you do, there'll be ups and downs. There'll be challenges. I'd much rather do what I love so that even if there are ups and downs, I still have that passion for the work. And I'm not going to hate the work yeah. or hate, hate what I'm doing. Mm. So, so over time, used through social media, I kept posting. I've been posting online since like 2013. Oh. I already yeah, have the vision like, you know what? I need to build my online presence. So I started posting quite early with my best friend, Alfredi e. Champo. He's a phenomenal character designer. And even he was a major part of my growth process because what we did was we created a WhatsApp group called We Bleeding. And what we would do is if I created some work, i would post it on there. It was just the two of us. If he created some work, he it there. If we saw resources that we thought would be helpful to each other, We'll post it there. And through that level of collaboration and friendly rivalry, we kept growing. We kept building with each other. And we kept helping each other out. And it, we started getting opportunities. We would discuss, like, yo, this contract, it doesn't look too good. Kofi uh, Like, would be like, yo, Kofi, what do you think about these numbers? And I'm like, yo, you know what, maybe... You should shoot for a higher, you know, rate, and we'll be even giving each other advice. Mm. And so, like through that over time, I, I, I get a gig, uh, my first official gig from DreamWorks Television Animation to design a cast of characters. I start the gig. I realize how very little I know. Oh, <laughs> I amazing. realize, I, <laughs> I realize, I'm not ready at all but that's the thing it broke me down by giving me an opportunity to build back up much yeah. stronger truly understand what in what in what my work entails what is expected of me mm. so even that's a testament to you know you shouldn't be afraid of failure failure is part of the process and the more you if you fail smartly you are going to learn a lot of stuff and you are going to grow exponentially as a, as a creative, as a business person, entrepreneur, whatever it is that you are doing. So through the failure, I really started to understand how the world of animation works, contracts, you know, uh, staying on schedule, deadlines, communication, how to actually communicate with the people you are working with, with your art directors, maybe because of a light out I need to communicate ahead of time like hey I've had a <laughs> I've had a <laughs> I've had a light out <laughs> and I cannot deliver the on the you know set deadline so please could you extend it so through that you are, I'm also learning about communication becoming more of a holistic person so I'll say like that's a little bit about how I started my journey into the animation industry I have no formal art education yeah. where it's like I went to a school it was all through the power of the internet so I'm yeah I'm a huge believer in like if you are very passionate about something and you are re- ready and willing to put in the effort like nothing can stop you
0: nothing can stop you nothing can stop yeah. you when you got this DreamWorks contract mm-hmm. and you realized you didn't know what you needed to know what happened next like both outwardly
1: and within you what happened next so within me i was very sad because it's very difficult to come to terms with the fact that yo like i know very little humbling because when you are in your own you know little uh circle of artists or in your high school you feel like you're a big shot <laughs> you know because every yeah because you're not exposed to the to the international standard. You're just exposed to the standard around you. So you feel like, oh man, dude, I'm like one of the best, man. Like, hands down. Once I started to understand that, it, ha- it helped me to really come to terms with, like, not just looking at my output from what I'm already used to. I have to look at the international standard. Because for me, I'm of the belief that If you just work in such a way that your output, you're just looking at your local community, right? And you're not thinking about the international standard. Yeah, maybe you might achieve success in your locality, but internationally, you might not be recognized. However, if you shoot for the international standard of how things are done, of excellence, that standard of excellence, you'll be recognized internationally and locally, when you come here to, you will be recognized by our people because they see the strides that you are making, they see the progress and your attainment. So yeah. then it changed my mindset about how I look at my work, not not taking it for granted, or it. I kind of started had to look at it from a like, like, I'll use this word, holy. I have you. Yeah. You have to be dedicated to it. You can't half-ass it. You have to learn as much as possible, learn from the masters, the dead ones, and the ones who are alive, and be humble enough to, you know, to be teachable. Because that's mm. one thing that I, I realize. like, when you're young and you're now coming up, it's easy for us to allow our egos to get in the way so that we mm. can truly learn And get the information that we need to fully unleash our potential. So once I understood that, now I changed the way I look at my work. And I was really pushing for excellence. How do I truly express myself at the highest level? It's not Mm. about Ghana. It's about the whole world. How do I create work that is going to impact the whole world? And that's how I've looked. I did ever since, and then it started to. I started to see the improvement in my own work rate, in improvement in the quality of my work, and others also began to notice. And like job offers started rolling in. Like, yo, because mm. we, we, here's the thing: I, every work opportunity I've gotten so far, I've never applied, and I'm not saying that to be cocky. Yes. I'm saying that because when I would apply, I wouldn't get the work. When I'd reach out, and I'm like hey, I want to work. Do you have anything for me? They're like, nah. But when I focused on the work and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to do the best work that I can and really focus on the craft. Along the way, then you see someone like, hey, I saw what you posted yesterday or last week. I really love it. Could you do that for us? So, Mm. (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Awesome.
0: Awesome. There is one thing that I have to ask you. Sure. What is character design?
1: So, simply put, right, for any animated show, so because I'm a character designer for 2D animation, I'll speak at that level. However, character design applies to so many other areas outside of just 2D animation. But let's focus on 2D animation for now. So, character design for any animated show or animated movie, there's a cast of characters that the story is about because you cannot tell a story without the actors or without the characters who act in the story and who the story revolves around so as a character designer you are tasked with the responsibility of visualizing these characters who be acting in the story or who be playing various roles in the story they could be the villain or the main character or the sidekicks or the character's family and what have you. So that's like, simply put, what we do as character designers, we create the cast for the animated show. And character design can even extend further. Like even when you have a picture book, right? A, A children's book, picture book, you need to design the characters in that book as well. There might be a main character. It could be young Kofi. So how does young Kofi dress? Who is his best friend in the store in this picture book? I have to design and visualize that character. So that's just a little bit about character design. So
0: so they will tell you the story and mm-hmm. the kind of journey of this character. And you have to take that image with words into a physical image of an animated character.
1: So let me go more right? in depth. You you kind of have a picture, a, a partial um, picture of it. So they would, for example, with an animated show, they will give you the script. And the script is like outlining what is happening through the episodes in the show. They will also give you actually a character brief. So like character A, these are their properties. They are male. They are from South Africa. This is their age. This is their sense of fashion. This is their attitude or temperament. So getting all of these variables starts to help you in the research process. Because if they have a gothic aesthetic, I that is the imagery that I'll be researching so that I can mm-hmm. draw inspiration from that aesthetic and use that to help me design like the clothes or the character. If like maybe they're a shy person, I have to understand okay if the person is shy how will they pose their body what kind of expressions Mm. will they have because a confident character you are going to pose him way differently than a shy character or a very loud character you are going to pose him differently than a quiet a character who is quiet and more reserved so all of these things your art director will give you or through through a dialogue you can also throw in ideas like Oh, I think we could do this with the character, and if they, so it's more of a collaborative process as well. Depending on the kind of team or project you are working on, you know.
0: Does that not ruin your life? Do you not see everybody as a caricature? <laughs> exactly.
1: That's the that's the thing. So, like, if I'm like walking on the street, I'm looking at. Like someone could be passing out like, yo, that's a good character design. Right? <laughs>
0: and you and you meet and you meet someone who's like a real character. And exactly. you're gonna be like, oh yeah. You know, I wanna aren't you like uh-huh. constantly painting pictures in your head of who these people are. Exactly. Oh, brilliant. Exactly. Brilliant.
1: <laughs> so you kind of have to be uh a student of life, very observant, you know, yes. seeing patterns see like being keen keenly observing the world around you because you can't be a great character designer if or even a great uh, storyteller or creative if you are not conscious of the world around you and you are not truly taking in like the world around you because like um art is a reflection of life and life mm. is the mother of all art you cannot create in a vacuum we are mm. all inspired by the world around us. So you have to be an, yeah, a student of life in that way.
0: Mm. So on this topic of inspiration, what inspires you and what, where does that inspiration come
1: from in you? What inspires me? So I feel like life is like my greatest inspiration, like in all its forms. From Mm. human beings, people, like meeting different interesting people who have different stories and lives, their own struggles, hardships, how they overcame them. This inspires me. Even animals, you know, Mm. there are so many cool creatures out there, colors, shapes. Because as a kid, I always loved to watch National Geographic, uh, David Attenborough and he'll be in the jungle, and they'll be in the yeah. ocean, and you're looking, and I'm like, yo, all of this is so cool and inspiring. Like, I want to tell stories that captures all of these, all of these experiences, creatures, uh, all of these perspectives from people from different parts of the world. So I feel like for me, ultimately, like, I'm truly inspired by by life. Like, even, it's not always, it's not always, like, crazy futuristic stuff for me like you know it can even be simple like something that happened to a friend them telling me a story of something that happened to them and i'll be like yo that's that's really interesting that could be that could be turned into a novel or it could be turned into a picture book or a comic or a short animation and so yeah that's that's are you
0: I mean, character design, character design is obviously your kind of key um, expertise. What else are you doing in that field? Because, I mean, you've mentioned stories and you've mentioned storyboarding and storytelling, et cetera. Are you also doing that actively? So
1: I'm learning the other part of the, uh, the other segment or department of animation because like, and I don't even limit myself to animation, but let's for now, let's say animation because, like, ultimately, I want to be an art director. And when I say be an art director, not necessarily an art director in some studio, I want to art direct my own projects, create my own mm. comics, animated shows. So I need to understand the various arms of the animation industry so that if I'm working with a storyboarder, I I I know what it takes or what goes into it. If I'm working with an environment artist or what have you, or even the writer, I kind of have some a level of knowledge and I can coordinate the team and bring mm. my vision or a project to life. So mm. for me, I don't limit myself or box myself in to the idea of like, I am just a character designer. I There's a, at a time I put on my bio on, on my various social media, that I'm a visual storyteller. That is what I see myself as. I tell stories through visuals. So ultimately, those visuals could be music videos. It could be animated movies. It could be even movies, live-action movies. Or it could be comics. So that's what I am shooting for. Like
0: You said at one point you defined yourself as that. So, so what, you see, what are you defining yourself as now?
1: So you see, here's the thing, I, I have to, you first have to establish uh, the main thing, then you grow out from there. Because if you are too scattered, right, and you don't have focus, you are always going to be floating around. So I, what I did was I came back to focusing on, you know, let's, let's kill this character design thing. Let's put it to bed and establish your name in that area so that in the background, I'm still learning about all of these other things that will make me a visual storyteller. I feel like I'm not there yet, In I need to give myself some time to grow and develop. But at the end of the day, right now, I I feel like I am a visual storyteller, but I don't want to confuse those who might be um, ready to employ me now, so I, I leave it there, Once I've built to a certain level, I'm going to go back to what I originally have always been, which is a visual storyteller. So that's how I look at
0: it. I would say that if your drive is to be a visual storyteller, then define yourself as a visual storyteller and character designer. Okay. And don't limit it to anything because the possibilities okay. are endless. Guess, so you can, exactly. you can be whatever you want to be. Exactly. And if you believe in yourself right now and you feel in yourself right now that I'm a visual storyteller, then you will be it. You are a visual storyteller right now. Exactly. And then exactly. the visual storytelling work will come to you, not because you're applying for visual storytelling work, but mm-hmm. because... You are a visual storyteller. Visual storytelling work will come to you in whatever shape or form. Right? Exactly. Because exactly. it's about the it's about the frequency that we're on.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, we, mean,
0: and then and then we pull it towards ourselves.
1: Yeah, I mean as you say this, is just reminding me. I was watching a snippet of your interview with um the creator of In Shadow. And you're talking me. about Exactly. You're talking about how <laughs> The future and the past don't exist. What matters is the now. So you need to focus. If I want to be a visual storyteller, if I see myself there in the future, I have to be it now for it to manifest in the future that I'm imagining. So like it kind of brings that point home. Like you don't have to wait.
0: Yeah. On this point, it's interesting because it's, it's not that you're manifesting it in the future this is this is the thing that i kind of like um you know there's a lot of you know <laughs> there's so much content out there saying you know like manifest this manifest that exactly. you can manifest whatever you want law of attraction blah 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 mm-hmm. but the thing the thing is deep down we want something to happen we want to be rich or we want to have the big house or we want the wonderful partner or whatever it is, in order to feel something within ourselves. So if we want that thing, it's because deep down we believe that we lack something and mm. we think that that thing will, will fulfill our lack. But because we are yearning for it from a place of lack, we're actually pushing it away. That's now, sure. if you get if you are able to see what is the feeling that I want to feel and you feel that feeling now, then you don't need that other thing to feel the feeling you want to feel
1: <laughs> exactly and
0: because you already <laughs> feel it, you bring it towards you
1: that's true so that's it's like
0: this kind of uh i don't it's, it's a, a it's a it's a, it's, a, it's a kind of very subtle Place to be, but it is that thing that change your now. Changing your now changes your past and it changes your future. Your future,
1: exactly. You know, and you no, can that- do
0: it. And there are techniques, and it's, 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 I don't want to say it's not difficult. It's not easy. It's not difficult. It just
1: is. It is, it is yeah. <laughs> like, what you're saying, it reminded me of, um, I think I was listening to a podcast or something like that, and the guy was talking about, um, The idea of authenticity or Mm. even being unique. The idea of, they were talking about art style. So uh, being unique. And it was like art style is something that the more you chase it, the more it runs away from you. But Mm. when you actually stop chasing it and you accept who you are and you are yourself, your style will naturally show to the world. Because yes. you're expressing who you are and we are already individually unique. So once you are yourself, then your that touch of your fingerprint or your DNA is on everything you make and create. And people can tell that this was made by Abdallah or this was made by Kofi.
0: Yeah, and it can't not be unique because how can any human not be unique? We're all unique. Exactly. You, exactly. Know? you know, In Shadow, right? in the mm-hmm. middle of it there's this series of clips which goes from like these magnificent um african warriors and it goes through these series of um pictures and then it's like you've got the hip hop artists yep. and the girls twerking in bikinis if i can remember correctly there's um and then, oh yeah, the hip hop artist is then being like, uh, his neck strangled is being by strangled team. by his chains.
1: His gold chain.
0: And then there's these two, again, those the, like um, mirroring those uh, the 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 those warriors. Yeah, the, well, the warriors. I don't, I, I don't. Yeah, but I don't see that as slavery. I see that as like, these warrior figures looking in on this guy who's being strangled. And then exactly. it it continues and you see the man and the child, the man and the woman and the children in the, in mm-hmm. the urban environment. Then the man disappears and you're mm-hmm. left with this, like this woman and two children in jail in this kind of urban setting. Exactly. And I, fa- I felt that was a really magnificent depiction of the states of black popular culture exactly. in the united states
1: i, I totally agree I, I felt i felt that as well like cuz it was kind of like the your like the warriors and the the uh, the people who came before them went through so much for them to I, I i don't know if i'll see come to a lower level because i feel like rap and hip hop is like also a thing that the the black uh, the the blacks or the the Afro Americans they kind of tried to because they had lost their culture they had to create something for themselves out of mm. what they had come into in yes. in this in America so they had to they combine like different parts of African culture you know and musicality to create their own thing. The sad part is like sometimes some of the values that it might um, it might promote m- m- might not be in the best interest of the people. But at the same time, I feel like it's... Because um, I, I, I was listening to this guy, um, KRS-One, and he was talking about the actual history, like the beginnings of like hip-hop. And he was talking about how the... In the beginning, what it was about was basically like speaking truth to power, like yes. educating the people, like telling the truth, like opening the people's eyes and bringing them out of unconsciousness and fighting for the right causes to bring and uh instantiate change, like the kind of change that they want to see. So, yeah, it was that that was like an interesting conversation that he was having, I was like, Man, like hip-hop is like so many things and
0: but again again mm-hmm. it comes back to this thing this the point at which the hip-hop artist becomes a superstar because mm-hmm. as soon as they become a superstar they're now no longer an artist from the perspective of the producers and the record labels they're now a product exactly and that then shifts the whole thing and now you're contract for your 100 million dollars or whatever it is says clearly you have to release 10 albums in 10 years or whatever it is 5 albums in 5 years 2 albums in 2 years but you you're contracted to deliver on something otherwise they're going to take you down mm-hmm. right so now you are forced into producing these things and i feel that that's one of the aspects of this you know the twenty-seven-year-old club, or whatever they call it, of these young artists that end up committing suicide because they're creating art, and you, and whether it's like Amy Winehouse mm-hmm. or you know these kind of like Kurt Cobain and these these figures that is, it's almost it's like at the point at which they find themselves being used, it's almost too late. And I think that's also something that's, I think it's also very relevant with Justin Bieber right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, and all of his kind of physical deterioration, all of these things, it's, I mean,
1: you're right. it's a product. Yeah, right. Because, cause like, um, what you're talking about, right, it even ties into, I mean, I won't delve deep into it, but, like, the whole issue with what Kanye was complaining about, although he was going about it in a way that I don't fully agree with, but yeah, um, like I've watched videos where uh, Prince, uh, the popular musician Prince, yeah, yeah, yeah he yeah, touched yeah. on this. Michael Jackson touched on these issues, and later at later stages in their careers, they would start a fighting for ownership for rights over their own creations because they realized like they were being given like deals where if you give it to any sound thinking business person they'll be like no this is not this is this does not benefit you or it's not even a win-win situation because one party is just getting a lion's share whereas you who is like the creative mind behind the thing behind the music you are just getting a a minor chunk. And so like it and even right now I feel like there's a new breed of artists speaking to the music industry because like I see um musicians like uh Tobe Inwigwe, um La Russell, Russ. Um these are some examples. These are artists who have gone entirely independent. Yes. They are creating their own stuff they own all of their masters they are they are going direct to consumers they are building communities they are going they are building lasting meaningful communities with their fans and they are and because of that ecosystem they create for themselves they get to create art they don't mm. just look at it as just a product they get to create something that can truly transform the lives of uh those they are serving and mm. and i and it, it moves it from it just being that corporate you know um uh, uh point of view where it's only just about the numbers make us more numbers sell more stuff but it goes beyond that when now these these new type of artists they are truly building like a a human connection with mm. their fans and yeah. I feel like that's that's the next step forward. Like, if we really, if as creatives, right, and for me, I'm very big on, like, freedom, owning my own stuff as a creative. I feel yeah. like as creatives, we truly have to, or even as Africans at large, we truly have to own our own stuff, own our own stories that we tell, even understand stuff like um licensing rights the 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 legalities of like selling rights, and intellectual property all of these Mm. things are ways by which we can truly secure our futures or the the future of our creative industry because if if we just if we just um if we don't figure out how to own our own stuff and tell our own stories other other people will just come in and tell our stories for us and make the money off of our own stories. And yes, we'll be happy that our stories are being told, but we are not going to benefit from the telling mm-hmm. of our own stories. And that will still leave us at a disadvantage because at the end of the day, if you don't own anything or you're not creating revenue, then you are also going to be in a dire situation because... You also need the money to fund the creativity. You can't just do the creativity alone.
0: On the subject of superstars as commodities, I just have to put in here how much respect I have for Dave Chappelle, who at the height of his career, he saw what was happening. And he said, okay, take your money. I'm not interested. I'm done and he left, and he left it all. And I'm like, respect, (laughs) respect. I mean, that, in this time as well, I mean, that takes serious courage, serious courage. And then the other thing on the, on on what you're mentioning now about artists, like needing cash and needing, well, needing money and having to sell their work and benefiting from their work and stuff I just want to touch on the idea of patronage because I think in a way, I mean, I know from like, from the, you know, three, 400 years ago, you would have wealthy individuals that, that patronized artists. And now whether yeah. that's in like the Mughal empire where there was architects and painters and singers and, you you name it, all forms of artist. I mean, very much so. I mean, any culture that had real art, there was someone obviously funding it, funding it, and it's almost like I wanted to just ask your thoughts on patronage today and how could we? I'm just thinking now, just from the conversation in a with young artists in Africa who maybe don't have access to the bigger fish mm-hmm. how could one facilitate patronage for youngsters that have potential and drive
1: exactly that's that's a good question because right now i feel like online there are so many um i would say, like, technologies that allow for uh, patronage. And I I am of the opinion, like, the key thing is really building your brand, creating awareness to what you make, and then also focusing on the quality of your craft. Because it's not just enough to have a lot of people being aware of you. You also have to offer something of value so that they feel like the exchange is I wouldn't necessarily say it's a it's a it's an exchange of value, basically. Mm. So they feel that the money I'm giving it's it, it's it makes sense for the value I'm receiving from you. It could be the, the music that you created or the comic project or whatever, painting, what have you. So like stuff like you have stuff like Patreon, which allows your fans to pay you like an amount every month. And so that allows them to help fund you and keep you going so that even if you are not necessarily always having access to the big fish all the time, you have these, uh, dedicated group of fans or people who are part of your community who help to support you in that way. And you definitely have to give back to them. I've seen like people like, um, uh she's a phenomenal uh, uh, artist from uh, the Netherlands. She also has a Patreon. So what she does is she gives tutorials, she 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 um, shows behind the scenes, you know, and stuff to her patrons, and that's some of the value they gain from supporting her. And then also another thing is like Kickstarter. Where if you have like a proof of concept for a project that you want to realize or bring into fruition, you, you know, you put together, um, you know, a kind of like a presentation or like a video to kind of show like, this is the idea I have. Um, this is like the proof of concept. And if you guys think like it's something you'd love to buy into, like, then you, you you convince them there you have to have good communication skills and the thing you are offering should be of value to the people who will be interested. And then through that, you can secure funding to help you bring the project together in that way. And I, those are like some of the few ways, I, I even on like stuff like YouTube, Twitter, there are ways of even tapping into that as well, right? Because like on for Twitter, they have this feature called like the super follow, where people who follow, who do that, it's kind of like they are subscribing to you. So they pay a monthly stipend to you because they value what you share on there. Or even on YouTube as well, they do have this uh, tier where you, people can actually, beyond subscription, like they regular subscribed, they can actually yeah. be, um, support you financially. where Mm-hmm. you gain from that end as well. And yeah, those are like some of the ways that I've I seen that you can tap into. And also apart from that, I feel like you can, this is something that uh, someone like Lois, she does very well. And other artists like Ross Tran, et cetera, where they, they think of the works that they are creating in from the standpoint of how can I turn these into products that offer value so loish some of her paintings she puts it out there as prints so people can buy prints of uh her artworks right and mm. then also even merchandising there are sites like um i've forgotten the name of the site but basically she puts her artwork there and her artwork are printed on like mugs pillows uh you know as stickers etc so people who really right. love her work in that way can also buy into her stuff in that way as well. So I'd say right. like those are some of okay. the ways that young artists can think about it: think like a business or an entrepreneur. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Well, I just want to say that I think Patreon is criminal. Mm-hmm. I think it's Why? absolutely criminal because Why? they are they are abusing people who need patronage i made a patreon account for the podcast at a point Mm -hmm. just to just to experiment with it and see what was what and the amount the fees that they take and the exchange rates and this that, and the other i just thought this is this is absolutely criminal people (laughs) because the the platform itself is benefiting obviously from every single transaction and they take huge fees and you're exactly. you're just you're they are profiting of other people's generosity, and I think it's criminal. Mm-hmm.
1: No, I totally, just... I, I totally understand oh. where you're and it's, about.
0: The, and it's the same thing where you've got uh, an artist who's creating the work, and somebody who wants to support them, and then there's this middleman that's just stealing money, as far as mm-hmm. I'm concerned, and then pretending is oh yeah, we need to run our website. I was like no, you don't. But anyway, let me not get onto uh, let me not get onto my uh, <laughs> my my contentions with patron. But then, so then on an, on the so there's one aspect which is the money aspect, um, and then the other side is I mean I think you almost, you touched on it a lot, which my thing was on the on the on the on the side of mentorship. So someone that wants to get better at whatever their artistic field is. Um, how they can find mentorship, but I think you did touch on it earlier with how in your journey yourself and really going out there. And if you want to learn, there's endless information out there, all the skills <laughs> are out there. You can find it on YouTube, you can contact people, etc. etc. Right? Exactly. Hmm. Anyway. Do you know any who like you know something actually now that I mention it? Uh and maybe I just like literally put this out to the world mm-hmm. and whoever, whoever's listening to this. If there are any young female I'm a piano artists, right, in that field that wants a record contract in the UK, get in contact with me <laughs> and send me, some, send me some of your stuff. Get in contact. Exactly. Hit me up, <laughs> but you but you have to follow my Instagram <laughs> <laughs> and my YouTube. <laughs> you <know? laughs>
1: value, value. Exactly.
0: <laughs> um, You've mentioned it in your journey in the in the um interview I did with Lubomir. He also touched on it, and it's this thing that the youngster, the young artist that wants to pursue that career the parental conditioning okay. sees it as like, this is, a, this is not a profession. This is not sustainable, right? Exactly. And I think in the African context, at least from my experience of the kind of cultural um, atmosphere is like this idea of having to study something that will give you a good job and the importance of that. And breaking out of that, I think, for a lot of youngsters is very difficult because, right. like you said, your parents are paying for your tuition, your parents are, 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 you know, kind of your guides almost. Now, what advice do you give to youngsters who are in that situation?
1: So to the youngsters, I'll start, I'll start here. If um, With regards to the sometimes the conflicts that can come because of the societal programming, right from your parents like they'll be like nah we don't agree with this we don't think you should do this your parents this is something i had to understand for myself your parents don't hate you they are com- <laughs> yeah <laughs> yes i thought my parents didn't like me they don't hate you they are coming from a place of love but it's yeah. misconstrued yeah. because they think that The thing that you want to do, that you've been gifted to do, they think that that thing will not lead you to the outcome that they want for you. The outcome that Mm -hmm. any good parent wants for their kid is for their kid to be self-sufficient and have work that they do that can put food on their table, keep a roof over their head, and help them take care of themselves and their future family. That is Mm -hmm. what every parent, good parent, Wants for their kids. So that is the reasoning that they come at it with. So yeah. once you understand how they are coming at the issue, that they care about you, but, and also they don't understand the thing, they might not understand the thing that you have been destined, the path that you've been destined to tread, because probably that wasn't what they were brought up on. So it's mm. new to them. So that brings in play the idea of communication. You have the vision. You know about the industry. You, you are learning a, stuff about it. You are becoming more resolute in your decisions. Communicate with them. Help them understand. This is mm-hmm. what I want to do. This is what it entails. These are people who are doing it. This is an artist who is working in the field. You can even show them, like, this is what they... The, you the, you can stand to make like in a year. This is an email from an artist I reached out to and he looked at my work, looked at my portfolio. He gave me very positive feedback. He says, I have the talent. I just need to do this and that. So it's communicating because like yeah. in Africa or in my setting, let me speak for my setting, my part of Africa, what people, the only thing people, think about when it comes to like art it's like they're just thinking about oh like Tom and Jerry or like the comic you'd see in the local newspaper or like the pottery work that you see by the roadside so they don't see it from the angle of entertainment art there are people creating animated shows for Netflix there are people creating comics for webtoons and they are getting paid even uh, there are comic concepts that get turned into movie franchises that make billions of dollars i'm talking about yeah. marvel comics yeah, yeah so yeah. so there's so much potential in the creative art once you start to communicate with your parents and they start to see like okay my kid is very serious about this they are spending the time they are putting in the effort they are working on projects oh i see they are even getting job opportunities oh, wow, I watched this animated show. I saw the credits. My kid's name is in there. You know, they are seeing that you are putting in the effort, you are getting results. They will relent. They'll be like, you know what? I think you've got this covered. You know what you're about. So you you yourself as a kid or as a young one, you have to be serious about it because because of where we come from, we don't necessarily have a thriving art Uh, entertainment art industry so if you don't if you're not serious about it and you're mediocre no studio is going to cross no studio in the states or in europe is going to cross the waters and reach out to you and leave all of the amazing artists on their end if you are (laughs) if you are mediocre they are not going to do that so you have to be even on the level of the top talent or even above that's the only way you are going to get attention. So that's why seriousness is required. And then also, the other thing is that <laughs> it's about, it, it all boils down to competency. You have to be competent at what you do. You can't you, you can't just uh, be wishy-washy about it where you're like, oh, I just want to be a creative. I just want to express myself. What projects, if you're a comic artist, what comics have, have you started working on? If you want to be a writer, show me your the your drafts, your 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 stories you are writing. Because you cannot say you are an artist or a musician if you don't have the pencil in your hand every day, if you don't have the guitar, you are not strumming the guitar. Then you are just you just want to be the thing, but you are not doing the thing. And if it's truly a part of your identity, then you can You you are always in it in that flow. You're always creating along those lines, and mm-hmm. I think you have to remind me of the second part um, of the question. You we were
0: how we can change the mindset of the parents. But actually, now that you're talking, I'm like, it, if you are a youngster and you have this yearning, it's your it's your responsibility to yourself to change. The, the mindset of your parents and exactly. like and like you were saying it's like do the work, build some traction, speak to people in the in the industry that you want to be in, get some kind of feedback. People are really helpful if you actually reach out to someone exactly. they, a lot of the time they will send a Respond. message back. Especially if you're not asking for a job or asking for money and you're yeah. asking for advice. People want to actually give advice especially when it's being um when you're asking from a place of kind of yearning and then yeah do the work and you teach your parents that exactly there are other other ways and i think that's that's the way is i think really in a way that's the only way it can be done
1: exactly Um, because like once i started getting the results like uh, i'll do like a comic cover for marvel a dc and the they send me a copy of the book, and I show him like, "Yeah, that's my artwork." or i um I would even do an interview, and i'm I'm speaking on the topic about my experience, and they watch the interview, and they're like, "Oh, okay, Kofi kind of knows what he's talking about. he's not yeah he's not yeah, like yeah, playing yeah. about this isn't like a game to him. this is like something he really wants to do. he's very knowledgeable about, and then they would come back to me like, yo, we watched that interview. Like we are starting to get it, you know? And I'm like, yeah,
0: it's amazing. Um, eh? I mean, I've, I've found
1: that with the podcast as well. It's
0: like people actually listen to it. I'm like, wow. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, I, for me, it, because honestly speaking, it's like, for me, it started just as a, it was just, I wanted to do it. And it, this is my journey. And everyone I interview is my conversation. It's like, I'll share it afterwards and anyone else can listen to it. But I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm asking you questions, not for everybody else. I'm asking for me because I am like on this journey of like wanting to learn more and wanting to learn about different fields and different perspectives. It's like, you know, you, you have the interview with Lubomir who's like created this absolute masterpiece. And from that, it's led to this conversation with you and the previous episode is with my mother and, 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 and that episode was totally, completely inspired from Lubomir. So it's like, and even to get to Lubomir's episode, there was a whole load of inspiration before that. So it's, it's just, it's my personal journey. And people exactly. always ask me, oh, which one's the best episode? And I'm like, I can't tell you the best one. I can tell you the worst ones. And then they say like, um, okay, where should I start? I'll start at the beginning. Go back to exactly. episode one and listen to episode one, two, three, four, five, six, and then you tell me which one was the best one.
1: Exactly. Uh,
0: and t- uh, yeah, and I'll tell you, you can skip episodes <laughs> such and such, but I'm not going to tell you which one it is. <laughs> but on the subject of comics, I want to, uh, and since you take notes, there's a brilliant comic book adaptation of Wagner's Ring. So, Richard Wagner, I mentioned it in the episode with Lubomir, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. Um, uh, so, The Ring of the Nibelung, which is this 16 hour long opera drama, mm-hmm. there's a comic book adaptation of it. Okay. And it's absolutely brilliant. It's really well done. The animation is awesome. Who's it by? It's by Craig Russell. Have you heard of mm. Craig Russell?
1: The you name know sounds him? familiar. It sounds right? quite familiar, yeah.
0: So this is a comic book adaptation and it says Giants plot against gods who in turn tear human lovers apart while the lives of great warriors are ruined and murder after murder is committed in the name of love and gold. <laughs> and it's that's it's it's a four four volume um mm-hmm. adaptation of the ring cycle. It's absolutely brilliant. And uh yeah, I'll put the link in the episode description and I'll send it to you as well. For sure. Um, sure I'd love that. Yeah, and that's that's a really good adaptation. So, if anyone wants to read the ring without actually having to read or listen to sixteen hours of opera, you can get a taste of it through the comic. <laughs> exactly. Craig Russell. Exactly. <laughs> Is there anything that you want to that you want to share? Things that I mean, I, I, I and mean, and like I mean, just anything that's you want to add into this episode or anything that you want oh, to talk about
1: for sure like um i i was touching upon our, our previous conversation yesterday about for me i feel like one thing that in my industry we don't really talk about or touch upon i mean i think these things are changing towards that is but which is very important to your success as a creative is uh, the issue of mindset. Because I was telling yes. you that I feel like if you have the right, someone who has a right mindset is going to go, but with average skills, will go much further than someone who has a wrong mindset, but with above average skills. Because yeah. everything that we experience, everything that we make, we create, right? It all comes out of the mind. So if your mind is not set right, it's not tuned right, right? You don't have a right relationship with the world around you, a right relationship with the concept of gratitude, a right relationship mm. with hard work, etc. Failure, you will face challenges, and that's what is going to stop you from fully realizing your potential as a Human as a creative, as an individual. So that's one thing I, I I always like to touch upon. That as creators, we need to delve deeper into that. You know, apart from mindset, even just general in general self development, developing all the pillars of our lives, right? Because I I have like about five to seven pillars, which is spiritual spirituality. Uh, your finances, your physicality, taking care of your body, um, relationships. How do you relate to your family, with your friends, acquaintances, business partners, etc. And then even um, education. Education does not stop at the, when you are done with school or when you are done with university. I'm of the belief education is a lifelong journey, which only ends when you take your last breath. So yes. taking care of all of these pillars, right? I feel it makes you a more whole uh, a much whole a much more wholer person who is able to take on all of the vicissitudes of life because you are well rounded, you are more balanced. And all of these parts of your life, these pillars in your life, for you to start to improve them is going to take a lot of introspection, um, a lot of accountability. Really sitting down and looking at your life and analyzing, and looking at the dark corners in your life, the parts <laughs> that you, the parts that we all try to avoid and don't want to look yeah. at. And yeah, that's 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 one. Because once you really develop yourself, you develop your mind, you develop your mindset, and you touch on all of these areas of your life and you grow them together i feel like you have a much more fulfilling experience in life regardless of who you are
0: how did you do that like how did you <clears throat> develop yourself so instead of yeah, so that somebody can learn from your journey sure as other, as you've learned from other people's journeys
1: exactly so, when it comes to the how it would I can't pinpoint the exact date, but it started when I would listen to motivational videos right, and yeah. like I would listen to people like les brown um Tony Robbins, et cetera, and read books and like by listening to these people, I first, I just used to listen to it because of the endorphin boost that it will give like yeah yeah, so you're like yeah you know but over time i started to understand these people are applying certain principles to their lives that helps Mm. them to maintain a certain altitude of success so they will talk about certain biographies that they've read which taught them about how to withstand the challenges of lives of life they will talk about certain books that they read that helped them to learn maybe about finances maybe about uh, physical health maybe about Mm -hmm. negotiation about business what have you so as i'm listening to uh, even though it began with oh i need an endorphin boost i want to feel good about myself i started to understand These are all teachers reiterating certain principles and laws in life that if you apply as an individual, it will help you. It doesn't mean you're not going to face any challenges, but you'll be able to manage life better. So then Mm. as they are recommending other speakers, other books, lectures, talks, then I started to seek out all of this information. And then all of as I'm seeking out all of this information, I'm starting to understand, like, okay, from reading uh, Brian Tracy, he's talking about goal setting. These are the systems of goal setting. This is the reason why you have to set goals. It's not mm. just something out of the blue. There are reasons behind it. um, I'm reading books on leadership by John C. Maxwell. He's talking about the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. So Mm. I'm building on that. Even though right now I might not necessarily be a leader of any company or a leader of any project, I know I am a leader. For me, I'm a a natural born leader. And I know I need to prepare for the challenges ahead for the people I'm going to lead and i need yes. to be a better well equipped leader in order to solve the problems that i see around me so yes. learning about that so it basically becomes like a a it's a, um, a self feeding loop as i'm yes. meeting new authors new speakers reading new books they are directing me to new information that leads me to new information where now I, yeah yeah, yeah
0: because the more you read, I mean you read about you read a biography about somebody's life, and in that some something happens uh, or they read a book and they mention the book that they read, or it's mentioned they read this book, and then you're like, "Oh, let me read that one," and you kind of tag <laughs> on to their journey etc cetera, etc cetera. so I want to ask you what is the greatest biography you've read, or what's the first one that really stands out, and you're like, "Yeah, read
1: that one I'll be honest the Usually because I like to listen and watch a lot of videos, usually, I learn about the people's biographies through the video I'm watching. but the name that is coming to mind right now is yes. um Winston churchill he okay he was like the I know he had something to do with quelling one of the world wars, like being the leader. That was needed at the time for the free world, and had he not been there, the um, the I think the Nazis they would have basically taken over the whole of Europe, and the world we live in might probably not be the same, it would be a different kind of world we we live in. So, like, even um, him, um, what's the name? Uh, the democracy we enjoy right now he's a part of that but it's not even necessarily about the democracy per se but like just reading and understanding like the amount of pressure this person is under and yet being able to have the the fortitude the presence of mind to be able to make decisions the like decisions that help to keep his people alive help to Creates the outcomes that he wanted, and that's the thing. Like for me, I don't. I'm not necessarily. um, uh, I I generally try and when I'm listening to about people's biographies, I'm listening to the parts of their life, what they did when they faced like difficult situations, and through that, I can also glean um, like lessons that I can apply to my life when I face difficult. Situations because we all know how to act when everything is going well. You just be happy. You are always mm-hmm. elated because everything is going well. However, very few people know how to handle challenges when everything doesn't go well. When everything is going wrong, and so that is one key thing that I always pick up on. And another thing is like just picking up on values. Like um, I was listening to uh, the um, a story. Les Brown was talking about uh john Booker T. washington he and he was um he was a black guy who at the time that was when like slavery and all of that, and it's not necessarily slavery, but like you, uh, you are not allowed to as a black person, you are not allowed to go to white schools, blah blah blah, and he wanted to create a, an institution of higher education for black people, so basically a university. And in the story, they were t- he was talking about how he was walking down the road in a neighborhood. A lady calls him, like, hey, you. And he's like, uh, yes, ma'am, what would you like for me to do uh, for you? And she's like, I'd like you to cut the wood in my backyard. And he was like, cool, why not? And then he goes to the backyard, chops up the wood. And the lady is like, and when he's done, he's like, she's like, how much do I owe you? This was a white lady. And he was like, nothing. Um, thank you for the uh pleasure of serving, right? Because he was his value is to serve people, that is his value. So he leaves, and the ladies, the, the lady of the house, here, one of her serve, uh waiters comes and she's like, Do you know who that is? That's John Booker T. Washington, he's a highly educated black man. And then she calls for him, call, sends for him to come back, and she donates. Millions of dollars to his course oh. and he's able to build a thebukatti Washington college or university, which is still standing today so yes. even that is a principle of like kofi in life you have to be a giver you the ultimate thing is service to mankind. That was a quote in my um that um the 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 high school I went to. The lady who owned the school, that was a quote, Auntie Emma. That was a quote in her office, service to mankind. That is why we are all here, to serve each other. And once you understand some of these principles, you you are guided by higher principles where it's not just about money or it's not just about the fame. For me, it's about how do we all help each other to attain our goals, to have a better life together. It's not about me cheating you and having a bigger share. It's about us all collaborating and helping each other and growing together. So like these are some of the things I pick from all of these biographies and stories I hear, and I also try and embody in my own life as well so that I'm I'm a better human.
0: Well, I have to touch on something political now because you mentioned it. And you said the democracy that we all enjoy (laughs) <laughs> and <laughs> democracy, the modern liberal democracy, as as we are aware of throughout the world, wherever you are, has failed. It, it it's it's a system that doesn't work, and it's tied to banking capitalism, right? And this is a conversation that I was having with Dave Chappelle in London. Mm-hmm. Um, with Yasin Bey and Talib Kuali on their podcast. And it's that we don't know. I mean, I say we, I'm saying like the general population are unaware that this, the concept of money is a modern creation. So this piece of paper that they tell us is worth 100 US dollars or 500 South African rand or 50 pounds or whatever, it's a modern creation. Exactly. But it is the thing that is causing all of the suffering in our time. And the, the thing is, is the money does not exist. It's not real. It's a fantasy that because everyone in the world believes it, it gives it power. Now, at the point at which you give that piece of paper, which is not even a piece of paper anymore, now it's just a blip on the internet, right that just moves around numbers moving around from here to there and somebody has more numbers in their bank account therefore can seemingly be more powerful etc etc it it doesn't exist and when you look at monetary policy you realize that this thing is is it's a modern phenomenon and the rise of banking capitalism is with the first and second world wars so while they were mowing down a generation of people Saying that it was for the, you know, freedom and this, that, and the other is not the case. It, they were mowing down those people because it was good for the bankers, because uh. the same the same banks that were funding the Germans were funding the British and the Americans.
1: <laughs> and
0: I I spent seven eight years of my life in the arms industry, moving around Africa selling armored vehicles and equipment, you name it. And you you see it. It's this big big money. And when they talk about the military industrial complex, it's not it's no joke. It's this is real. Exactly. And I mean, when you go back a little bit further and you look at the colonial conquest, who was funding the ships to build a ship? Is no like in the sixteen hundreds was not cheap.
1: Exactly. Who was
0: funding it? And it's the same people that were funding the the British East India Company. I was, fu- as was funding the Dutch East India Company, and all of this colonial expansion was being funded by these banking families. And when you look at the Federal Reserve Bank, it's privately owned. When you look at the Reserve Bank of South Africa, it's privately owned. And that and it's these reserve banks. I, I'm I'm sure it's the same case in Ghana, well, but it's yeah. the reserve banks that set monetary policy. So when the interest rate goes up, that's a decision that's been made by a private group of people. And then the the economy is in a state, and the politicians are bickering in in the um in parliament. Just having a fight about nothing because the money is disappearing. Exactly. And my thing is, is there's the only people that can paint, literally paint a better future are the artists and the ones that are tapping into their deep selves and into the infinite reality to paint a better future. For sure. And find those solutions because those that are in positions of power, they are products of the system, and mm-hmm. and they won't change it. They th- why would you change it if you're if you're benefiting from it? Exactly. Because the psychology of it is that as long as I'm winning, it's okay. I mean, you're we're mm-hmm. talking about sharing and collaborating and doing things with other people, and the musicians that are their own record producers and they can uh, have ownership of all of their works etc cetera, etc cetera, and are able to serve the people that they are serving exactly now if all of the, if everything's being funneled i mean the banking system is designed to serve the people at the top of the banking system that's it capitalism high finance you name it and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you're or the president of the country or in the townships all the wealth is being funneled up and when are we going to wake up and realize that the money one doesn't exist two is worthless and three how can we start creating new solutions so that we can survive the oncoming
1: (laughs) wasteland and this
0: and when i and when i when i kind of go back to what i was saying right at the Uh beginning i go to the uk And I see the UK is because people don't have resilience when the money collapses, which is happening, is going to happen very soon. They're in big trouble. And now in Africa, you know, I did a lot of work in Zimbabwe and you see their money disappeared, but they have resilience. The Zimbabweans have resilience. And so they managed to, they managed to hustle it out through having no currency and they survived.
1: It's funny how you mention even currency because like right now in Ghana, our currency is like one of the most worst performing currencies in Africa. Right now, it you need 13 units of our currency or higher to gain a dollar. That's how bad it is. Yeah. So like, and like even the way you're talking about, about like the whole system, for me, what I always say is like, if you really look into it, you realize the whole the whole world is just a chess game being played by a few powerful people and they are just moving pieces around and they control a lot of power and stuff. However, at the end of the day, what I believe is the power still remains in the hands of the people if we work together, because the only thing that makes a king powerful. Is because the people choose to cede power to that king and give yes. him or her that power, but if the people yes. are like, no, we don't want to be ruled, we, we, we want to, we give you the power, we are taking it back. We want change, true change, true last, true and lasting change. Then the people they will realize. And even it was something in a, uh, I think Lubomir's uh, uh video where it was like the people have more power than the um, than the people like we are more than them so if we come together and we work together there's nothing they can do against us
0: this is my position my position is that the greatest of the world's natural resources is man and woman exactly so th- everyone can trade their commodities and whatever the best the greatest of the natural resources is man and woman and economics 101 is the study of supply and demand demand. in a finite system right Mm -hmm. in a a finite environment because there's only so much in the world now my question to you what Mm -hmm. natural resource today is in extreme demand and very little supply
1: Oh, oh, is it creativity? Well, or innovation is—is
0: is the human being in their wholeness?
1: Oh, for sure, for sure. I, th- I think, I think for when sure. when
0: you when you meet a human that is whole. And so when I say whole, I mean, oh. they've done, they've done this self-development. They've done this work. They've mean. gone deep down into the chasm, right? Mm-hmm. And they've like, <clears throat> again, coming back to Lumabier's video, you know, he's gone into the, into, into the shadow, into the darkness and has opened the heart and let it emerge. And they raise up and they rise up in their dignity and glory. That man and that woman that are of that rank and have done that work, they are infinitely valuable for in sure. whatever they do, whether that's in, in a position of leadership, as a trader in the market, as uh, a painter, or whatever field that they're in, they will bring immense value. And the demand for that is huge in this world where people are struggling and crying out for 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 guidance. For sure. And on that note, you were asking me about this book, The Ten Symphonies of Gorka Koenig. And I am actively doing classes on it. Mm. I do a four-part reading of it. And it goes through the pol- politics of the 21st century, the monetary uh, of the 20th century, monetary policy, the First and Second World War, uh what was actually happening under the surface how do we then unlock man and woman and join in collaboration to become these beacons of light that can guide people into this into a better future and touching on western classical music touching on european culture the colonial adventure all of these different aspects it's it's all contained in this amazing argument And it's a fictional biography. Uh, It's it's absolutely magnificent. I love the book. I teach the book. And I want to invite you onto the course. And I want to invite anyone who's listening onto the course. I don't charge for it. You will find out why I don't charge for it at the end of it. (laughs) Um, It's a four-part course. And... Mm -hmm. It's like one hour, one hour, one hour. We'll separate it over four weeks and you go through the book. Yeah, I'd like to invite you to do it. And I anybody else who's online online and curious, you will see the world from a different perspective. I can promise you that.
1: For sure. I accept. After doing it. Yeah, I accept the invitation. Definitely. I want to learn more. <laughs>
0: awesome, man. And anyone else who wants to learn, welcome. Yeah because you're talking about doing things that you love and b- personally I think I was kind of running away from something or trying to or, or or not accepting that that was something that I loved because I had some other idea in my head that I should be doing this or I should be doing mm-hmm. that or I'm chasing this dream or chasing that dream and one of the things that I realized <laughs> again on this trip is that I love teaching this book I love it And I love the feedback I get from people when I teach it.
1: What you were talking about, like, we, when I was younger, I realized, like, I'd hear people talking about, you know, being conscious. A lot of people, like, 90% of the world is asleep. And, like, are zombies. And, like, I didn't get it then. Because I was like, yo, these are all regular people. Like, I can interact with them. We... Share stories, you know I meet them when I go to town, etc, but then over time you realize like there's a program right that that is out there that programs the society to act in a way congruent with what the powers that be want so yes, so the thing is that the more you you learn and you really uncover stuff you learn about history about like finance about you know what has gone on in the world you start to really see the world on a different level where you start to realize it's not you take yourself out of that mindset of it's like oh it's like it's me versus the next person by me that's not that's not the thing it's mm. it's us versus the the few at the top who are, who are uh, basically using their power to suppress everyone else, even though they could use that same power and resources to help transform the world and make the lives of people better. They choose to just use it to enrich themselves at the cost of people's lives, at the cost of resources, etc. So, yeah, like the more I learn, I realize like, yo, this is a big game, like it's a war. It's a serious war, and it's being fought on so many fronts and at so many different levels, from the educational system to the finance system at so many levels, even resources, natural resources, business. So if we don't sit up and become conscious and truly start to work on ourselves to become the people that the world needs, to help it grow and get out of this cocoon then we'll still we are yes. going to stay in this state and keep suffering so like for me I'm always ready and but willing suffer
0: to but that's it but that's you're saying the suffering is a state exactly you can ch- you can you 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 can choose to not suffer and 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 don't get me wrong like there are things that are horrific we lose people in our lives you know and one goes through grief uh there are times when we have absolutely nothing we don't have money to put food on the table there are times that uh the children are sick and you're worried about them and there's but you don't have to suffer exactly it doesn't you can still and if you can maintain uh an element of gratitude and yep. positivity yep. even through the hardest of difficulties mm-hmm. which we see in Africa mm-hmm. with the resilience of the people we do see it on a daily basis oh, I mean, yeah. you look at some of the uh, you look at some of the aunties 60 70 <laughs> 80 years old you know and they've they've lived through the most difficult things you like difficulties we can't even imagine Hmm. in our time Mm -hmm. and they have these wonderful smiles on their faces and they're just teaching and cooking and serving and and and, and being beautiful you know exactly and we we and and you know they can teach us something and we Mm -hmm. can learn from that example and that is something that comes from a much deeper space and we need to tap into that space Exactly, and, 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 and start awakening that and exactly. being that
1: because like what you're touching on I started to uh, truly understand it when I was listening to Sadhguru he's an Indian uh, yeah he's an Indian teacher um, and mm. he was talking about all of human experience it occurs within right so how you experience the world, it all comes out of how how your mind is set, how you are set inwardly. So two people can be in the same situation, or two people could be living on earth. To one, it feels like heaven. To the other, it feels like hell. But they are all on the same earth. So yes. it's all, he was relating it to the inner engineering, working within. When you get certain levels of understanding, you start to realize Mm. like, you don't always have to fret over everything. You don't always have to um, go to every argument you are invited to. You don't always have to react (laughs) to everything. You don't have to be triggered by everything you see on the news or on Twitter or on social media. You learn Mm. how to keep your peace. You learn how to navigate, um, have even perspective and Mm -hmm. understand how you are truly blessed, irregardless of how other people around you are saying like, oh man, things are so hard. Life is so bad. I can't stand it. But it's like, for me, I'm living in Africa and I'm like, yo, bro, I'm so blessed. I might not be living in the UK or in the States where they have so many resources, but I feel blessed. My family, the family I have, even having the opportunity to do the work that I do, loving it and getting paid for it, that's a huge blessing. And even the blessing of life. If you are sitting right now, you can stand on your feet. You're experiencing the sunlight hitting your skin. You can eat, you can taste the food. You are you are—you are truly blessed. So like, yeah, I, I totally agree with what you're saying. Because even there was a book, I was reading it's called anti fragility or anti fragile, yes, and you were talking about, yes, yes, yes you were talking about the concept of you know it doesn't mean sometimes people might misconstrue them, see it like oh you you are like a robot, you don't have any feelings, you don't know how to access your feelings, you are just suppressing everything that is happening to you, not necessarily true, you can be fully in touch with your feelings and also and experience it fully, and not let it rule you all the time. Because they are like people who, if you say a certain word, is going to trigger them, because they are controlled entirely by their emotions. If you put on like like a MAGA hat, they'll be be pissed off. If you put on like, you know, a symbol, a certain symbol, that will trigger them, and they're like, oh man, I hate you, or so on and so forth. And it's like, you as a human being you have to get to a point where you can maintain your peace or else you if people know what buttons to press to get a certain reaction out of you then they already have control over you so they know that mm. i if i want to get to Kofi and i want him to act in this way show him this image show him put out this word and you have him yeah but if 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 you keep your own peace and you have a certain level of understanding you know that truly you are in control and you don't have to react to everything and you can ride right. the wave and and you can release all control exactly
0: and still be because at peace not, and still be at you, peace then you, because then you you realize you're in complete control so you can release all control, all control. and then you realize and then you re- realize you have no control exactly okay. <laughs> exactly <laughs> It's interesting because people you you can choose whether you want this life to be heaven or hell exactly and you can choose and whether I've, you want to live in a nightmare or or in a dream
1: yeah, and honestly, I've lived in the nightmare I've lived in hell oh, me where too. yeah, where <laughs> yeah. I was depressed, where everything would trigger me, where I was always in fear of everything I read in the news, and I felt like. Nothing I, I do, like, really matters on the grander scale. But then yeah. over time, as I understood the power of humanity, the the power of our minds, like, mm. how much change we can make, even from an individual, a, a single individual, how much change you can, like, create. Like, it's crazy. Yes. You start to realize, like, yo, like, I'm so powerful. I we are so powerful we don't know it, and once you start to really take back your power and understand how much is how how much is embodied in you because you are connected to the source the ultimate source and you can allow exactly. the ultimate source to work through you where that's where you relinquish yes. control and allow the allow source to work through you and so once you start to understand that you realize like man like nothing is beyond me there's no issue that i cannot surmount yes it might be painful yes it might bring you grief but you still have the strength to to survive and to go through it so much because like i was reading this book by victor frankl a uh, man search for meaning and he was talking about what they had to go through at the internment camps uh, during the holocaust and it was just crazy like the torture they had to go through and yet they still had their human dignity they still you know they they still held like they still held their head their head up high They they didn't bow down to the to the to the oppression and within them they were they were giants within their soul they were giants even though everything was taken away from them so Like reading that it just helps me to understand like yo, the human soul is powerful. Nothing can crush the human soul unless the person allows himself or herself to be crushed. If the person is ready to resist to the end, there's nothing you can do to crush a human soul.
0: That's the thing. There's unless the person allows it, you allow your soul to be crushed. Exactly. Only you can only you can can create that. Exactly. Only you can accept that. Exactly. But if you do the flip opposite, and it's like you said, and it's that poem that I mentioned at the beginning, the first line is, as markets emerge on our African soil, who will be fed from our laborers' toil? And the last line is, there is still hope. Nobility can exist. Liberty, our motto, liberty is the capacity to resist. Exactly. Exactly. And yeah man, I I really truly believe that Africa is the final frontier and I think is the the opportunity lies here and I think we have to understand and learn from the mistakes of the West, not repeat them here and Mm -hmm. create something new and exciting and in tune with nature Mm -hmm. as all of the, the traditional teachings of this continent are, because whether you look at the Zulu in Natal, or I don't know what tribes you have in Ghana or who the ancient people were across um, other parts of Africa, but Mm -hmm. I mean, all of the, 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 the culture and the root knowledges and understandings of nature, they're all there. It's all there. Exactly, And it's a matter of t- going back to the, the, the identity and bringing back the diaspora that have gone out elsewhere and have made a success of themselves, come back home. And for those that haven't made the success out there, come back home, make a success in Africa. The opportunity there.
1: Numerous. <laughs> because there are a lot of problems here as well. <laughs> you know exactly the problems exactly. equal how, how opportunity exciting. yeah very exciting
0: you know it's exciting i mean like i mean if you look at the state of america i mean the ghettos there are worse than in africa i'm sorry I, I just, it's it's, just, it's a reality mm-hmm. and i've seen it i mean you go i mean you go places and you're like this is people here i mean, I mean even in parts of london and i'm like bloody hell this is worse than like The worst places in Zimbabwe, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm there and I'm like I'm like, you know, people walking around the streets in Zimbabwe with a smile on their face. You know, and (laughs) the UK, (laughs) what (laughs) what is going on? What is going on? And I'm like, what is stop what is stopping you from just taking your doll from the government, getting a flight to Zimbabwe, and just set up shop there? Do something so there. You have a much better. You have a much better time. You'll be able to breathe because the air's much cleaner. Mm-hmm. And if you need some food, take a handful of seeds, throw it on the ground, and six months later, you've got food.
1: Mm-hmm. So true. <laughs>
0: the earth is so, so fertile, yeah. so fertile. But let's see. Let's see. I I I I I find Africa exciting, and I and I'm calling on people to 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 come and experience it. Even if you just come out for a couple of weeks. Just see it because, in exactly. seeing it, something will open in your mind, you know. Mm-hmm. And it's fast. If you like desert, go to the desert. If you like ocean, go somewhere on the coast. <laughs> if you like tropical, go to the tropical yeah. parts of Africa. If, if you speak Arabic, go to the north. If you, <laughs> you want to climb up a mountain, go somewhere. You know, it's, it's a massive
1: continent. It's a huge continent. Yeah. <laughs> so, the people are the best. Yeah warm welcoming very nice you know you can be walking on the street and like ask someone for help they will take their time to help you like hey this is where you go blah 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 but it's like you go to maybe like a street in london and you stop someone like nah i don't have the time i'm going to work or i have to get to the train you know
0: well, in Johannesburg, uh, don't stop anyone on the street because they might shoot
1: you. Oh, shoot. <laughs> <laughs> right, cri- cri-
0: <laughs> oh, can, g- can you give me directions
1: here? Yes, but it's going to cost you
0: a watch and your wallet.
1: <laughs> oh, my God, that's funny. <laughs> but, um, but
0: the people are friendly. Oh, for are sure. Are friendly. How's the crime in Ghana? Is it a safe country?
1: Yeah, it's a very highly safe country. Very safe. I mean, the, yeah. there's no country without any crime at all. But yeah, it's, Obviously. A, it's, yeah it's, it's a very safe country.
0: South Africa is funny. Cape Town is this kind of bubble that's like a little bit of Europe in Africa. Mm-hmm. It's like Africa for beginners. Is what I, I always call it Africa <laughs> for beginners. It's like, come here. <laughs> and you, 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 you are in Africa, and there are townships, and there is poverty and crime. But if you just stick to the one side, you'll be a, you're 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 in Europe, but just with an African feel. Exactly. And then when you kind of go out a little bit further, you go a little bit further north, and then it gets a little bit more Africa. Mm-hmm. And then it's not until you like get out of like. Southern Africa, and you start moving Zimbabwe, Malawi. Yeah, that's yeah, when yeah. you start going like, now it's Botswana. Now okay. it's a little bit more Africa, and the further north you go, it gets more and more Africa South until Africa, you're yeah. like in f- fully fledged Africa. <laughs> exactly. You know, now you're now you're, you're getting the real experience.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, the heart of Africa. <laughs> there's
0: still humans here. There's still humans here that that haven't been robotized, and yeah, but there's the the world is vast see it, taste it. Is there any parting note or anything you'd like to, anything else you want to put out there? Something you want to share, anything?
1: I mean, I think we touch on it where it's like, we should all work on ourselves and take responsibility for our lives. We shouldn't, it's not enough for us to just identify the problems around us we should rise to the occasion for us as individuals to be able to rise to the occasion or to the challenge, the challenges around us. We need to develop ourselves first and do the inner work, which will be nasty because there are so many things you you know you are willfully ignoring about yourself, your character, the way you <laughs> approach life <laughs> that you need to tackle and correct and once we do that in our work yeah. and it's a continuous journey. But once you start, you've started that process of metamorphosis. You're turning from the caterpillar into the butterfly. And yes. that's that's what I'll say.
0: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes, yes. You said you said the word. You said the word. You said the word. Metamorphosis. Exactly. Thank you for listening to this episode of the new Nomos podcast. Another amazing conversation on my journey through this podcast is absolutely amazing. To be completely honest, I don't even know how this episode came together. Even at the end of it, there's some part that I edited out of me asking Kofi, "Like, wait a second, how did I get in contact with you? Because I couldn't remember. It was just this journey has become a beast of its own which is pulling me instead of pushing me, which is really beautiful. And so once again, I want to thank everyone for tuning in. I've put in the episode description all of the relevant links to what we discussed in the episode, including the link to Kofi's Instagram page. Do follow him. He's absolutely amazing. And if you're not already, please subscribe to the podcast, follow my Instagram And please subscribe to my YouTube channel because from now on, all the episodes will also have the long form video edit on YouTube. And so for this episode, that's it. Thank you.